When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Sean Basto. And today, it's just me. It's just me, myself and I. I'm going to be covering off the weekend's action that has just happened over the past 48 hours. Some great shows from the likes of MTK Global. There was the Matchroom USA show that happened in the early hours of Sunday morning. Got some great events that have happened, some great fights and a lot of news and stuff to catch up on, really. You've noticed that I've not done a review episode or a preview episode over the past week or so, mainly because I didn't feel there was that high-level of boxing to be covering so I thought you know maybe I'll leave it a week and we'll come back in a week's time and we'll bring more of a a longer episode Uh, Johnston Brown is away at the moment so he's not going to be coming on the episode today but you look out for some of the episodes that are coming out this week we've got some great stuff coming out another legendary nights it's Eubank versus Watson and then we've got a new episode coming out a one-off episode about the best boxing brawls as well so please look out for that one this week that's an absolute fantastic one really enjoyed recording that one did a lot of editing on it but you'll enjoy and appreciate it when it does come out so let me go into what i'm here to talk about today then we're talking about the weekend's action we're talking about some of the fights that have occurred and i'm going to start with friday i'm going to start with friday night's action obviously we had 
Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat covering the MTK Global Show down at the York Hall in this sweltering, sweltering weather, I might add as well. So we had Elliot Stott down there and Lee Smith covering photos for us. So it was great to get some of the social coverage going on. But in terms of the action that went on, it was a really good, solid card. Now, contrary to what people might say about it, there's obviously a few people that not always happy with the cards that go out but actually this was a really good Friday Fight Night card and that's something that MTK have been producing a lot of over the past six months of 2019 they've been producing some really high quality Friday Fight Nights and probably more than what Matchroom have been doing let's let's be honest, you know Matchroom have got these high level fighters and yeah a lot of them are not being put into any of the the normal standard shows on a Saturday night anymore so it's becoming you know a bit of a tussle between another promoter really to try and fill the void in the UK whilst Matchroom sort of scraping back a little bit in the UK shows and MTK for me are probably the ones that are, are bringing us the, the, the quality fights the, the, the quite a lot of evenly matched fights on the cards as well and Friday night was no different to be honest you had Ryan Walsh and Lewis Paulin fighting for the British title O'Hara Davis and Miguel Vasquez which was an interesting and controversial fight you had some other great prospects like Sam Gilly who was on our Ones to Watch show last week he was on that card as well some great prospects it was a great night for, for British boxing and a lot of people really enjoyed it and what's even better about the fact that MTK are doing this on a Friday night and as you know They've got this relationship with IFL who stream all of their shows through their YouTube channel so you get to watch it for free and with you have it, most people having a smart device in this day and age, whether it be a phone or a tablet or a TV, they're able to sit and watch the shows so that makes a massive difference in terms of the viewership for, for this and obviously IFL being the sort of biggest boxing YouTube channel out there so yeah I want to go into talk about the, the, the show itself really because I felt like it was actually a, a really good show and uh, I caught up with it on the Saturday I didn't manage to catch it on the Friday but I did catch up with it on Saturday so I will talk you through uh, what my thoughts are on this particular show like I said off the bat really I felt like it was a really really good show and I felt like we got some really quality fights and I think we'll start with obviously the main fight on the card which is Ryan Walsh and Lewis Pauling for the British featherweight title 12 three minute rounds really really tough close fight this for Ryan Walsh I think uh, people may have thought that he would have been able to dispatch of Lewis Pauling in this fight but actually Lewis Pauling came and gave it a really good go he really pushed Ryan Walsh to the edge and some might say it was a, a close decision some might say Pauling should have got the nod I don't really agree with people that do say that I do feel like Ryan Walsh should have got the decision and the decision was right to give him the the win on the night I felt it was very close and very tough but obviously I felt he'd done enough just to edge Lewis Pauling in this fight it was really really tough for him you know obviously he did he did take he did take quite a lot of shots in the fight He, he I don't feel like He's the same Ryan Walsh we were talking about a couple of years ago, and that's in the greatest of respect. I feel like he's, he's he's lost a little bit of a step in his game, and I feel like with another featherweight coming along, I think we're probably going to get someone who's going to end up dethroning him, maybe in the next 12 months. And, you know, I don't like to sort of speak ill of a fighter, but that's the truth. I, that, that's kind of how I see Ryan Walsh going over the next 12 months. I do see him bumping into another fighter at the same level that is going to be able to overthrow him. And Lewis Pauling, with all due respect to him, you know, 
he's obviously not far away from that British title level because he was competing for the title and he put a massive effort out and he was very unlucky uh, in some respects not to get the decision and again I'll say this all the time about a lot of shows and a lot of fights on any other night he probably would have got that decision but it was close and it was tough but Ryan Walsh came through it and he retains the title and I'm just wondering whether that rematch with Isaac Lowe is ever going to take place because that was a cracking fight and obviously that ended up being a draw and we were expecting the immediate rematch that didn't happen that should really be the next the next fight to be honest with you I mean I know Isaac Lowe He's been fighting, obviously, on the Tyson Fury undercards, and he's, he's fighting for these WBC sort of youth titles, and he's getting himself pushed into the WBC rankings by doing that. But there's 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 something still there with them two. There's something that needs to be finished. It's unfinished business in my eyes, and I'd like to see them two going at it again because I think that'd make a, a great scrap on a on a major undercard for sure. So you had that fight on there, and, and one of the most controversial fights of the night was probably O'Hara Davis, Miguel Vasquez, because obviously people were people are going to be slating O'Hara Davis for <laughs> as long as he's a fighter because he said some things, he said some good things, he said some bad things, he changes like the weather, his persona can be a love or hate persona, but one of the things that people were calling him was a quitter because of the Josh Taylor fight, and he goes in against former world champion in Miguel Vasquez who's looking to push back up to that world title contention again taking a risk coming over here to fight O'Hara Davis on, on our soil and he he was well I'd probably like to say he was a little bit hard done to really and I think a lot of people felt exactly the same I know Twitter was a mass of people talking about the fact that Vasquez was robbed and O'Hara Davis knew at the end and the body language usually always tells you the story at the end of the fight and I think Davis knew he got lucky with that decision and it's quite wide to be fair quite wide decision that was that was given in his favour and really surprised about it to be honest I think I felt like it was a, a win for Vasquez I think Vasquez won a close fight in my eyes but obviously you know the referee give the score it was Ian John Lewis and Ian John Lewis has again with all due respect to him has been known for giving out scores that are controversial before and a lot of people were bringing previous instances of that up so it was left a little bit of a bad taste in people's mouth. One of the things that came out after the fight was that he was injured, O'Hara Davis. He'd cracked a rib in the third round. Now, I've never personally cracked a rib. I don't know what it feels like, but anyone that has will probably know it, it's going to hurt like hell. Of course it is. And then when you've got a guy who's obviously targeting the body as well, of course it's going to hurt. Of course, he's, But he didn't want to get himself out. He didn't want to quit. It's essentially what he was saying. He didn't want to quit the fight. And I've got nothing but respect for him for that because he could have quite easily took a way out and he didn't take a way out in this particular fight. He decided instead to, to, to go for it. He decided to go out there and, and try and, and push himself as, as hard as he could in this fight. And he did. And I've got to give, I've got to give the guy 100% credit for that because people can sit here and criticise him on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, so whatever social media channel, they can slag him off to high heaven, but they're not the ones in the ring at the end of the day, they're not the ones taking the shots, they don't know what he's feeling, they don't know if he's injured or not, you've got to give him a little bit of sympathy in that respect, that he, he went for the remaining rounds of the fight, and still managed to get through it, and still somehow managed to pick up a victory on the cards, so 
whilst it's not the greatest of decisions in the world, people are going to call for a rematch. Should a rematch happen? Yes, probably, but is it going to? Probably not. It doesn't really make sense for Davis. I think they're going to want to push Davis back up there and, and go for bigger fights, bigger money fights, of course, because that's what, at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want bigger money fights as, as the fighters. That's essentially what they're in it for. You know, they're in it to become champions. They're in it to, to earn money and, you know, make it easier for themselves as life goes on. And, and that's what you've got to remember. Remember, boxing is a, a, a huge business as much as it is a sport. So it was a very entertaining fight. O'Hara Davis got the decision, 97-94. Davis obviously shown at the end of the fight that I think he knew he got away with one there. And it does happen. It does happen. So as much as I don't like it, personally, it does happen. So you've just got to kind of get on with it now, I suppose, no matter what you say and no matter what, how much... You- talk of corruption you want to want to go through you ain't going to change the decision simple as that you're just going to have to get over it and get on with it so that's my opinion on, on that one but Davis going forward is he going to progress on to fight for a British title is he going to progress on ever fight for a European title that remains to be seen at the moment I think he's shown he's got determination he's shown he's got heart from that fight I just think that he could be doing a lot better inside of the ring at times I think sometimes he just looks for them one pot shots and you know they can be telegraphed quite easily and I think he needs to get back to his boxing a little bit more and, and obviously it was difficult for this one because he got injured so early on so we've not really seen uh, if, he, if his motivation is, is there as much as we think it is or as much as he says it is so moving on then we have another great fight on the undercard we had C.R. Osgul versus Anthony Yigit 8-3 uh, rounds uh, Osgul put on a fantastic display against the highly rated Anthony Yigit who we've seen in the World Boxing Super Series uh, Osgul obviously has been bouncing back from a defeat to Samuel Antwi a couple of months ago. He really did well to battle his way through the fight against a world-class level opposition. He's been in some fights, uh, you know, quite world-level type fights recently, really, when you think about it. He's been in with Victor Postol over the past 12 months, and now he's been in with Anthony Yigit. They're two fighters that are uh, world-class. Let's, let's have it right, they are world-class fighters. I think Yigit wasn't expecting a tough night's work like that but he got it but he certainly come he come round and he come through it and you know he's a, a guy who we should be looking out for and should be keeping an eye on for Osgal on the other hand I think he has been unlucky to lose four out of his last five fights but he's gained a lot of exposure and a lot of respect by going in there with the big guns really the big guns as he stepped up two levels never mind one level so I think he needs to make a decision on whether he wants to keep going for the big money and big exposure fights or whether he's just going to end up being a stepping stone for for guys like Yigit and guys like Victor Postol and you know guys that they can come through comfortably I think that's a decision he needs to make and he shouldn't take lightly for sure in that one but Anthony Yigit again like I say he's definitely a guy people need to keep looking out for he was the guy who had the horrible horrible injury against Baranchi at the eye it was a horrible injury that but he's come back from it he's looked good it's good to see him on these shows on this show promoted by Sourlands they're definitely going to try and get him uh, another shot at world title I think in the future I think that's the, probably going to be the plan for them so on the card then we also had uh, Danny Darko as he's known beating Martin McDonough two undefeated fighters went 10 rounds went the distance Danny Darko got the victory on there we also had Jack Eubank 2-0 beating Michael Williams we also had Bradley Haxel beating Andy Harris and then our friend of the show who was on last week's ones to watch Sam Gilly who had a late change of opponent was supposed to be fighting uh, Germani Camaro that didn't happen 
we ended up fighting Nathan Hardy and got a good six rounds in against Nathan Hardy. So that sort of sums up the MTK show. And again, like I said at the top of the show, I think it's I think they're doing really good things in boxing at the moment, regardless of what some people are, are saying out there. I think they're doing a fantastic job of putting on these Friday fight nights. And personally, I'm really enjoying them. I know there's a lot of people out there really enjoying them. And I think you've got to respect the fact that they're, they're filling in a void that Matchroom are leaving. I think at the moment with the amount of shows they're putting on. I mean, they've got another one next week in in Manchester near me. They've got one at the Bolton Football Stadium at the hotel there. And again, it's obviously local prospects that are going to be on that card. But again, it's going to be streamed. So the fact that you're going to get to see the show on a Friday night, who, who can complain at that? I love the fact that we've got these platforms these days to catch all these different shows and these different fights. And I think eventually all the small hall promoters will end up doing this with the live streaming. I think boxing, the money that's going into boxing in general is filtering down through the levels in boxing and, and promoting because the smaller hall promoters are getting the opportunities to put on live shows now and people will watch them because people love boxing and want to watch boxing. It's as simple as that. So let's move move on then let's move on to last night's action saturday night's action early hours of sunday morning biggest bill that happened was obviously over in america it was demetrius andrade defending his wbo middleweight title against masich sulecki which was on the main events of that matchroom usa bill we'll talk about a couple of the other fights on there during this as well so andrade defending his wbo title which he was obviously awarded from supposed to be fighting Billy Joe Saunders, as we all know. Didn't happen, didn't come off. He ended up fighting for the vacant versions of it against a guy nobody knew. Uh, That was last October. Then he's defended it against Arto Akavov. And now he's defended it against Sulecki in what was a really good fight with Sulecki, actually. I really enjoyed that particular fight. He started off quite rapid, to be honest, because Andrade came out of the blocks pretty quick and dropped Sulecki in that first round. And that wasn't something I was expecting to happen straight away because Sulecki's shown in his fights that he's a really quality operator and with him being such a quality operator I didn't think he'd get dropped that way but he did he came out aggressive he got dropped Seleke Andrade would then come forward and be quite wild at times he was looking to land some real big pot shots but after that first round you had Andrade's trainer telling him he didn't want the war just go and outbox him and that's exactly what he did he outboxed him for the remainder he'd go on and dominate the fight from the outside Seleke was able to land any more six seven punches in any single round over the duration of the fight that's how much he'd negated Selecki and Andrade you know looked pretty decent in that fight to be fair I think Selecki was just a little bit in over his head Andrade for me too athletic too slick for Selecki and Andrade picked up the victory now and Andrade in the post-fight interview calling out Canelo which is a fight I said I would like to see for him and I would like to see Andrade going in against one of these legit middleweights now. I think we people are criticising him because he's not had that legitimised middleweight fight. And that's that's the difficulty with trying to... trying to Not disrespecting him, but trying to respect him as a champion. Trying to respect him as a middleweight force. You need to see him beat somebody who is a middleweight force to be able to then give him that respect and say, actually, yeah, he is a guy we should be, we should be paying attention to, clearly. And he picked... Picked up that win over Selecki last night. He's called out Alvarez, but we're going to be talking a little bit about some news a little bit later on. And Alvarez is supposed to be, or supposedly, 
bulking up to go up to 175 to fight Kovalev, which, again, it's just all speculation. We'll, we'll touch on that later on. But for me, he needs to go in with someone like an Alvarez or someone like a Triple G. You know, two fights that I think he needs to have. You know, Billy Joe Saunders has moved up to super middleweight. Is he going to come back down? I can't see it at the moment. I can see him staying at super middleweight. So the logical options are the Triple Gs and the Canelos of the division, and that's what he needs to do. He needs to be looking at fighting Canelo, ideally to unify the division. That would be the ideal fight. Whether we get it is another question. With all the talk of Canelo moving up or a third fight with Triple G, I don't know whether we'll actually get this fight happening. So we'll see. But overall, impressed with his performance. Looks a bit sluggish at times, but... He got the win and he dominated Selecki who was obviously a great fighter in his own right and his only loss on his record prior to fighting Andrade was Danny Jacobs last year so you can't really argue with that he's lost the two top high quality fighters now so he'll need to go back to the drawing board to determine where he's going to go in his career in the middleweight division so also then on the undercard of this particular bill we also had the return of joseph parker fighting an aged alex lapai in this one let's let's be honest it is an aged version of lapai but he needed to put on a performance, Parker, since signing with Matchroom, since going on the Matchroom USA show, he needed to make some, some sort of impression on the fans because at the two times he's, well, the one time he stepped up to the big level was against Anthony Joshua and Anthony Joshua outboxing from the outside. He beat Andy Ruiz, ironically, and he also lost to Dillian White as well. So he's had a bit of a mixed career over the past 18-24 months I would say and he was looking to get a performance against Lapai and I think he did I think for me he did get a performance over Lapai but Lapai is an aged version of himself so again people are gonna like myself I'm gonna admit I'm gonna pour scorn a little bit on the win although he did, he did look really really good against Lapai Lapai for me is past his best way past his best so what do you take out of that was he was there to make Parker look good in my eyes I think and it did make Parker look good. He looked really quick. The combinations he was throwing in. It's, I mean, something you'd not seen in these big fights. You'd not seen it in the fight with Joshua. You'd not seen it really a lot in the fight with Dillian White. So what what was different? Well, for me, what was different was that he was facing an aged Alex Lapai. He started the fight really quickly. He landed hard combinations to the body and head. He'd visibly hurt Lapai throughout this fight. If you watch the opening round, he'd, he'd hurt him quite a few times. And actually, it looked like it was going to be a stoppage pretty early on. But Lapai has obviously been in there plenty of times and he was able to weather the storm and take a lot of the good shots, but then obviously keep the fight going. And as the fight wore on for me, Lapai, he was taking a lot of punches and all he could really do was cover up while trying to march forward. And that was it. He was being a plodder. He was being a plodder, basically. Parker was just using him as a punching bag in this fight. And it was very clear to see. He was very uncomfortable at times as well. He started to become more uncomfortable as the fight went on. And then as it got into the 10th round, it was clear that Parker was, was on the assault. He wanted to get the win by a stoppage and that's what happened he stopped Alex Lapai in the 10th round the referee had enough he called halt to the fight now Parker has got this win and he's looking to push himself back into world title contention and with the landscape being changed with Andy Ruiz's win over Joshua that could give him another opportunity at a world title in the future depending on how the negotiations go for Joshua Ruiz how the governing bodies organise the belts whether they'll let all the belts go on the line if that happens lots of questions lots of answers that we're looking for but for Joseph Parker 
he's shown that he's still good enough to be at the world title contention level. He's definitely more than just a gatekeeper for the division. He's definitely a guy who should be fighting in world title fights. And I'd like to see him in a world title fight again at some point. But Dillian White, he probably deserves it more than he does. So, and, and, and that's just my opinion. I think Dillian White deserves it more than what Parker does. But if Parker earns his right to get there from whichever route they decide to take, then, then fair play to them. So, we also had that on the card. I just want to take a little pause of this episode just to let you know about our sponsors for the podcast. As you know, it's Bear Attack Boxing, producing high-quality boxing gloves and boxing equipment to suit all your needs. The latest product they've got on the market is the Pluto Glove which is handcrafted for the fighter inside of you. These gloves not only protect your hands to land the perfect punches, but they allow you to move easily around the ring, creating the angles you need. This is the perfect fight glove, and it's only £49. So go and check them out on social media. They're on all platforms at Bear Attack Boxing. You can find their website at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. Go and check out everything that they do. They produce some high-quality boxing equipment. You've heard me week in, week out talk about the equipment, about the Master One Focus Pads, about the Pluto Glove. You've seen it all. You've heard it all. Now go and check them out. Follow them on social media, Bear Attack Boxing. And again, it's www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. UK. Also, we had the return of Calify. Now, I've been overly critical, I think, of Calify in the past. Not so much of his boxing ability and his skill. I feel more so about the fact that what they've been doing with him in terms of the way they've been manoeuvring his career is not really been what I've wanted to see as a fan. Now, as a fan, I've wanted Yafai, who's 25 and 0, by the way, now 26 and 0. I want him to fight the big names of the super flyweight division. I don't want to see him fighting guys with 29 and 8 records. I don't want to be seeing that. I understand that they want to get his career to a point where he's well known in America, which makes the fights even bigger. I do understand it. I really do from a business perspective, but there's only so long you can do that for with a fighter before people start to see through the bullshit and start to think, is your fight good enough to beat any of the other champions in the division? And that's the questions you start to ask yourself. He looks good. He does look quality. I'm not going to take that away from him. He looks like a quality operator. And I think he would give any of the other champions a fantastic run for the money. And possibly even become a a unified champion in the division. But we need to see them fights. Now the only difficulty we've got with your fight at the moment is the WBA have got a mandatory for it, which is Andrew Maloney. So Andrew Maloney is the next guy in line to fight your fight. So that's really the fight we should be seeing next. Now, the difference with Maloney to all the other opponents he fights fought recently is Maloney is a legit world title contender and obviously has been in with former world champions and champions. So for me, this is this is more of a legitimised fight than what Yafai's been doing recently. And, and I mean, that's no fault of his own. Like I say, it's no fault of Yafai's. Yafai's just been getting the call and saying, right, we've got a fight for you. This is who you're facing. This is the record. This is where you're fighting. And we'll go from there. But you've got to think, he's been, he's been the world champion now now since 2016 to beat Lewis Conception so he's been world champion now nearly three years and he's defended it uh, there's only one person he's defended it against who's had an undefeated record at this point which is Shota Shida everyone else they've they've put across as oh he's this great fighter he's this he's been in with it such and such a body that's not good enough now 
it's not good enough anymore. We need to be in these unification fights with the big names of the division. They have to happen because if they don't happen, people are going to start get. Like I said, they're going to start seeing through the the bullshit of everything. So Estrada is probably the name. I would like to see him in with Juan Francisco Estrada. I think that would be my ideal matchup for him if I was going to ask for any matchup next. But Andrew Maloney is actually the mandatory for the WBA title. So Andrew Maloney needs this shot. And what I was getting confused about a little bit earlier on is obviously Andrew's got a brother, Jason, twin brother Jason, who was the one that was in the bantamweight world boxing super series recently so actually andrew malone is the one that's undefeated at the moment but he has yet to go in with i would say a world level fighter so that is the difficult one for again i'm kind of practicing what i'm preaching really you know i'll be talking about if i needs to be in with guys that are world level Estrada's is probably the best name he needs to go in with next but he's going to probably end up getting maloney next which you know no no disrespect to maloney at all i think he's you know, he looks a good fighter. He looks like he could definitely use a world title shot and he's definitely ready for a world title shot. And he did beat Lewis Conception last year, which was a, a great win on his record. So I think for me, what's going to happen is Andrew Maloney's going to come next and they're going to let the Estrada fight boil even longer, which will become a little bit frustrating as a fan. But I suppose eventually it will become a much bigger fight down the line. But it has to happen within the next 12 months because it is getting to that point with me personally. Again, this is just my opinion, I don't know what you guys think my opinion is Yafai needs a big name now he needs this name on his record he needs a legacy defining fight and as yet he hasn't had one and that is my only issue with the way they've manoeuvred Yafai's career since he's won that world title so they were the three main fights on that particular card, I don't know what people felt about that card, whether they felt it was a decent card or whether they felt it was a shit card but it weren't too bad to be fair, I mean I wasn't I didn't say it was an overly impressive card, but I say we was interested to see how these guys were going to go down, and we were interested to see what was going to happen with the Andrade fight because you know there's big names out there for him, and obviously we we want the big names for Yafai and the same with Parker, really, same with all three of them. So that was you know quite good to see, and and something I wanted to touch on was uh, another undefeated prospect on there who we seen on the next gen show just over a week ago, a week later is fighting back on another card this time in the USA. So it was Arthur Jones the third. We seen him destroy Michael Horobin on the Next Gen show last weekend at the York Hall, and he got another impressive win yesterday. He was took the distance this time though, so you know he's getting the experience he needs. But he looks like an absolute talent, an absolute talent. So they were the main fights on that particular card for me. Uh, something that I wanted to touch on while I'm on the subject of this weekend's boxing, the return of Chad Dawson. you seen him on the show, or you heard him on the show, on the Life and Times of last week, and he was talking about his career, and if you haven't listened to that episode at this point, go and listen to it, because it was a brilliant interview about his whole career, his fights with Tarver and Hopkins and Glenn Johnson, and talking about life after boxing, but talking about his return, which has just happened. Now, he actually got up from an early flash knockdown in the fight to go on to decision Quinton Rankin and I haven't seen any footage of the fight as such yet I've not been able to find any and I'll be interested to see how that went down but reading the reports of the fight it looks like he has still got something left in the tank which will be interesting because the conversation we was having on that particular episode was about looking at the big names will he get one more call for a big name again and I'm pretty sure he'll want to do that and I don't think he I don't think he did uh, 
I don't think his display was too bad from all accounts, but I think obviously that early knockdown was a bit maybe ring rust, maybe not been in the ring for a couple of years, and you know, it can happen. It can happen to anyone at any time. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I've not seen the footage, so I can't really say how he actually looked in my interpretation, but from what I've read, he, he looked like he was in pretty decent shape. He looked like he was in decent form. Uh, he just got caught cold a little bit, and he moves on, and he's looking to boil down back to the light heavyweight division. That was at a cruiserweight fight, which was what we spoke about actually on that episode. He was coming back at cruiserweight. So I'm uh, really pleased to, to see that he's got the victory in him, you know, really eager to see where he's actually going to go because that's going to be another interesting prospect, really, when you think about it. So just going on from the international stuff, just going back to the domestic stuff that happened over the weekend. So we had a show at the York Hall on the Saturday night as well, which was a Goodwin promoted show. Had about nine or ten fights on there, quite a few people on the show, which was uh, always an interesting show, the Goodwin shows. Really some great prospects on there. So if you've not heard of Goodwin Boxing, go and give him a follow on YouTube and on social media. We've got some real good prospects that come through their divisions and I think it's worth definitely checking some of them guys out on there as well. So we also had a, another bill which was being covered by one of my guys for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat. That was a Murphy Tidfell in Wales. That was Gavin Gwynn who was fighting up at super lightweight last night. He's normally a lightweight but his opponent apparently came in well overweight. But Gavin, consummate professional as he is, he managed to go in there, pick up the victory against what was quite a frustrating and probably dirty tactic opponent as well. So he got the victory. And on the undercard, we had a few prospects on there, like Robbie Vernon, Angelo Gironi, Lois Germain making his pro debut, who we had on the podcast once to watch. Jake Anthony, Jake Tinkling, and Christian Zuse. So we had some great prospects coming out of the Welsh area at the moment. Some fantastic talents. Uh, a lot of them coming from St. Joseph's Gym as well, where Lee Selby trains under Tony Borg. So that also happened over the weekend. Uh, domestically, we also had the return of Sam Eggington in a low-key fight against Jordan Granham, who picked up another win and again by all accounts he looked pretty good he looked like a different Sam Eggington so that'll be interesting to see whether he looks any different whether a leopard can change the spots I've always said he's quite a young lad and maybe he could implement some new things into his locker so also something I've not touched on about the weekend was Jamel Charlo beating Brandon Adams as well a victory for Jamel Charlo now he's defended the WBC middleweight title and he got the unanimous decision over Adams looked pretty good in doing so and he's another guy that we've spoke about who we want to see in with the big names now and we want to see in with the likes of the Andrades and the Golovkins and the Canelos so he got another victory and he's one step away from, from one of these guys now he's 28 and 0 he needs to be in there now with one of the big guns I think so then, let's move on. I think I've just about covered everything from this weekend just gone. And let's touch on what's happening over the next week in terms of news, what's happened over the past few days in news. In terms of next weekend's boxing, there's really not a lot going on. There's the MTK show up in the Bolton Whites Hotel, which I've talked about. The cancellation of the Manchester show, the Matchroom Manchester show, 
which featured Jack Massey and Lawrence Coli. That was cancelled just a couple of nights ago, which is really disappointing. Really wanted to go to that show. Really wanted to see some of the local guys that I've watched over the past 24 months going through their career and pushing themselves into a shot. Kieran Farrell, who I've got a close working relationship with, he had a couple of his guys on there and he even had his own brother making the debut. So they're all very disappointed that it has been cancelled. And it leaves a bit of a gap for next weekend. Not a lot's going on. So <laughs> we've got a good week, really, to sort of touch on some of the news and, and gossip. And I won't be putting out a preview episode for next week because there isn't anything to really preview. So it gives me the opportunity to sort of catch up on the gossip and chat to you guys about what's been going on, give my thoughts on it. And the first bit of what I started with was um, <laughs> Eddie Earn talking about Deontay Wilder potentially becoming the WBC franchise champion. And that could make Dillian White a regular champion. I tell you what, I've said this for so many so many years and I've been talking about this for a long, long time. I'm sick to death of these bullshit belts. Absolutely bollocks, isn't it? Bullshit. WBC franchise champion. Oh my, it's almost as bad as Amir Khan's fight with Billy Dib. What's going on in the world at the moment? Do people think these things can honestly get by people and people are just going to go, oh yeah, yeah, franchise champion, yeah, I'll buy into that. As if people are going to do that. Honestly, I think a lot of the time people think we're as thick as pig shit. Uh, maybe there is some people that are thick as pig shit and will buy it out there, but not me. No chance. That's absolute garbage. I feel so sorry for Dillian White. He's absolutely getting his pants pulled down and rogered big time here with this whole WPC should be mandatory. Is he not mandatory? Is he going to become mandatory? Now he's got to fight another dangerous opponent in Oscar Rivas. Come on, man. Give the guy a break. So what else has been going on? Carl Frampton returning. 10th of August in Philadelphia. If he wins that fight, then there's a potential matchup with Oscar Valdez in the horizon. Something he said he wanted a few times, which I think would be good. Great styles, make a great fight, make an all-action fight. Probably the last hurrah world level of Frampton's career, I would suggest. Going in against a real tough guy against Oscar Valdez, I think that would be an absolutely cracking fight. I think Scott Quigg had a fantastic fight with him, even though he broke his jaw. So I think for me... This is going to be a brilliant, brilliant fight for him if he comes through this one on the 10th of August for sure. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Frampton's career plays out over the next year or so because I I really do genuinely feel like he's got something left to give in the division. Uh, Obviously, Warrington beat him. It was a close fight. I think he's still got something there in the tank. So I think, for me, we've got... A lot of stuff to, to, to be thinking about over the next 12 months. I think, really, we've got to think about the fact that, you know, the, the, the featherweight division is booming at the moment with the likes of Josh Warrington, Leo Santa Cruz, Oscar Valdez, Gary Russell Jr., and now Carl Frampton. So, yeah, great fight if it comes off, definitely. And I think we've got to think about what's on the horizon for some of the other British stars at the moment. Obviously, we've got a big bill coming up in a few weeks with the likes of... Dillian White, Oscar Rivas, David Price versus David Allen. Chisora still fighting against Spilker, Alpha Spilker, which is, like, I don't know, I'm not really buying it, to be honest with you, with that particular one. But, hey-ho. So, let's move on and talk about Lomachenko Campbell, something I think I've briefly touched on a few weeks back when it was first rumoured it was going to happen. Now it's pretty much done deal and it's the 31st of August and it's going to be the L2 so we're going to get Lomachenko on these shores for the first time ever and I think a lot of people are really excited about the fact and I, I am I genuinely am because he's a guy's a talent the guy's an absolute talent Luke Campbell wow 
tough fight for this guy. He's having a tough run of it. And this will be a career-defining fight either way for him because he's going in against arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. And he's a guy that can real bo- really box really, really well, Luke Campbell. Will he beat him? I don't think he will. But I'm sure he'll give it a good go. I'm sure he'll give it a good go. So that's another great fight I'm really looking forward to. I just hope that they can actually give us a decent bill and a decent undercard, to be honest with you. Because what normally happens, uh, and has happened over the years, is you'll get a massive fight like this and get an absolutely wanky undercard. And that's the last thing we want in boxing, but we get it all the time. So going back then to... The cancellation of the Matchroom show this coming weekend. Eddie Hearns revealed that Anthony Fowler versus Brian Rose will now be on an August 2nd next-gen show in Liverpool. So that's quite interesting. So Anthony Fowler, Brian Rose was supposed to happen on that bill. A fight I didn't mention earlier, but a fight that was supposed to happen. And that's now going to happen on the August 2nd next-gen show, which we'll get some more details about, I think, as the uh, as the weeks go by. We also had the return of Jamie McDonnell. He had a real under-the-radar fight over the weekend. And I think I'd like to see McDonnell maybe get one more opportunity. I don't know what people think about that. Maybe they're thinking he got destroyed by Inoue, so that's him done and dusted now. But I think apart from a superstar like Inoue, I think he's still good enough to compete at the world level. And I still think there is definitely an opportunity for him to, to push on in his career. Whether he decides to move up a weight is another question. So what else is coming up soon that we're going to touch on? We're going to do the preview shows for Frank Warren's big bill next weekend. That's probably the next big bill. We've got Gorman and Dubois going at it and Joyce and Bryant Jennings. And then the week after, we've got the matchroom bill with Rivas and White. And then on the same night, we've also got Pacquiao and Furman, which is a fight I think I keep forgetting about that is actually happening. But it is on the 20th of July on the same night. Now, quick talk about this. So, we had this deal with Premier Boxer Champions and ITV, and at the start of the year, through the first quarter of the year, we had Keith Furman on there for free, we had Pacquiao Broner on there for free, but because this particular fight, they're billing it as a bigger fight than maybe them two were, we're now getting this on ITV box office. So I'm now quite interested to hear what people have got to say about this, because this deal was looking really sweet for us, the fact that we were getting this free boxing, superstars of boxing, on the telly for free, and now we've got to pay for the Manny Pacquiao-Key Furman fight. What do you think about that? Because I just think it's, again, as soon as we think we're going to get something in, they take it away from us so quickly. So we've got to pay for this one, it's another paid for, but let's be honest, are people going to pay for it? Probably not, they're probably going to go out there and stream it, and, and the amount of people that do that these days is is untrue they must lose so much money on people illegally streaming events but they shouldn't charge as much for it <laughs> that's the thing i know manny pacquiao's a superstar and i'll keep firming's a star in his own right but you know he can't give us all these fights for free and then just take it away from us again oh yes they bloody can and they bloody will as well so other fights that have been talked about in the past few weeks that I've not had a chance to touch on was garcia versus garcia danny and mikey going at it didn't think Danny Garcia would end up ever fighting Mikey Garcia and I didn't think Mikey Garcia would end up staying up at welterweight after he looks really, really amateurish against Errol Spence. So I'm really surprised that this is potentially happening as well. I think that's a strange one to be honest with you. I really do think it's the money. It's about the money, isn't it? It's about the money. It's as simple as that for me. It's got to be about the money. There's no other way. Why would Danny? Why would Danny Garcia and Mike Garcia go at it? Garcia, Danny Garcia is obviously already a legitimate well away anyway, and Mikey Garcia is a lightweight. He moved up to well away, got comprehensively beaten, and now he's deciding to stay up there. Does he think Danny Garcia is ripe for the picking? And 
that'll kind of secure his place in the welterweight division. I don't know, but it's got to be about money, sure. Like, 100% got to be about money, this one. So, I don't know what anybody else thinks of uh, victories that happened over the weekend, but there was one that I completely overlooked that happened on the Friday. I completely forgot about it, actually, and, you know, it's pretty bad. Richard Comey beating Ray Beltran over the weekend, and Rich, uh, Richard Comey looking great in his return to the ring. He was supposed to fight Lomachenko earlier on in the year, but because he fractured a part of his hand, he couldn't. So we ended up getting Ray Beltran now, and Ray Beltran just looks massively past it. I've managed to watch the fight. If anybody's not seen it, don't watch it because Ray Beltran's just a shell of his former self, and I think he needs to call it a day now. And I think he's earned his he's earned his coin now. I think he's he's got his green status in America. I think he needs to call it a day. I think Richard Comey looks really destructive in there and made me feel like a fight in the future with Lomachenko would be pretty decent as long as that lasted and as as long as Comey could keep himself competitive in that fight. So yeah, we had. We had that that I completely overlooked and overshadowed over the weekend as well. Um, and that's probably about it in terms of what's going on over the weekend. And there's not a lot left to cover for this coming weekend, to be honest with you. And obviously, with me being all alone today, there's no one to bounce off. There's no one to bounce opinions off. So I'm literally just talking into a microphone. And when you're listening to it, you probably sat there going, Yeah, 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 I don't agree with I agree with that. Yeah, I don't agree with Sean. No, oh, he's not right. So let me know what your feedback is and let me know your thoughts on some of the stuff that I've come out with in this episode about my thoughts on fights in the future for Yafai, where he should go, where Andrade should go, where Charlo should go, what about the cancelled cards, you know, this is the type of stuff we want feedback on, we want to know what your opinions are on it too, so if you've not already followed us and this is the first time you're listening to an episode, get on Twitter and follow us at BTR Boxing Pod and on Facebook we're on there, BTR Boxing Podcast. You can find us mainly on Apple Podcasts at BTR Boxing Podcast, but we are also on Podbean, on Stitcher and Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify. Please go and follow us on there, subscribe to us, leave us a rating. It's so important. People don't understand how important it is. I keep banging on about it all the time, but you really don't understand how nice it is to see them reviews come through from different people because we really appreciate it. All the hard work that goes into the episodes, all the editing, all the time we spend doing it to put it out there. And it's just our opinions. And you could go away and listen to a mainstream boxing podcast and and be sort of drawn in by some of the bias and the bullshit that they come out with. But we try to keep it as real as possible. We're not biased. We're quite an unbiased podcast. We don't lean into anyone in particular. We're not paid by anyone in particular to lean our views towards any fighters or promoters. We tell it as it is. Whether that ends up affecting future relationships, I'm not really too fussed because I am a, I'm first and foremost, and I've always been a fan, and I will always value the fact that I can give my opinion and I've got people that are like-minded that will listen to my opinion and, and feed back exactly the same stuff. If you don't agree with anything that I've gone through with on today's podcast, and also tweet me as well, because, you know, I want to hear what your differing opinion is. I want to hear it. I want to hear what you've got to say about situations. I want to debate it. I want to have conversation about it. So you know where to find me. I am at I am Basto on Twitter. You can find me. You can find some of my latest articles on there. You can find some of my work. You can find some of my guys' work for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat. I'm putting it out there all the time. Go and give me a follow on there as well. And we're going to be back a little bit later on in the week. We should have another ones to watch for you. We should have the best boxing brawls, which is coming out around about Wednesday. Legendary Knights, Eubank and Watson coming out Thursday. And quite possibly another Life and Times of coming on Friday. So check us out. Keep following us. Keep sharing, subscribing. Really appreciate all the support you've got. I'll speak to you on the next episode of BTR Boxing Podcast.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.